This is About Men Radio. It's not about all men, just us men. Chris, hey, what's going on? We're back. We are back. Yeah. I don't think we ever left. Did we leave? We well, took a bit of a break. It's over been a little the bit summer. of a break, and every once in a while, I have this sort of out of body experience. Yeah, but yeah. Well, it's nothing to, to do with the show. Time. Yeah, absolutely not. We don't judge, though. We <laughs> it's don't just, judge. It's just my, my my psychotic break from reality. Yes, of course, of course. And uh, you know, we read your post about <laughs> being on antidepressants. And, right. You know, yeah, so so there we you know. Go. We <laughs> understand. True you know, positive. We always take a step back when you walk into their room, just in case. <laughs> but that's a different thing. Um, actually, this is going to be a fairly serious episode if we can get through it actually seriously seriously and uh, without cursing right well no we're gonna curse oh, that's okay gonna, please right. that's, that's, that's a given um but this is also going to be one of those shows that we're probably going to get heat for mm. so you know we're just warning you folks yeah. we're talking about a topic that's uncomfortable for a lot of people and it's certainly relevant to what's going on in the world but there's a reason we're bringing it up because not too long ago the full posse was it the full posse? Yeah, uh, yes, it was. Yeah, it the was full posse. Even Silvio was Father there. Father John, Silvio, Rich. We went to a shooting range, and it was a fascinating experience because it brought up a lot of weird feelings in me personally. Mm-hmm. So I think what we should do, or what you suggested, obviously, is that we visit that topic. Yeah, and we talk about guns. Yeah. And the gun scourge, but it's not. Is it a scourge? Can we call it a scourge? I, you know, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to like you know cast judgment. I mean, I do. It, 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 I do. <laughs> I want to cast judgment. I'm <laughs> casting judgment. <laughs> yeah. Don't judge. Don't judge. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. You know, because scourge is really a negative word. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's certainly a topic of debate and has been in this country for forever. Well, as many years. Forever. Yeah. It's I mean, forever. Yeah. And since and, we've and been t- around and taken on even more heat in the past. I don't know. Say 10, 10 years. Maybe I have more. a theory about that. You do, but we'll talk about it. In a All right. Bit. Well, first, tell me what 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 was your takeaway from having gone to the firing range? And by the way, just to sort of set the scene here a little bit, this was a, a very small, privately owned firing range in the Poconos. I think it was like uh, had like four lanes, and like Pedro said, there was a full posse, and it was loud, even with oh, the man, ear protection. It was loud. Oh my god! But it was loud for a reason because some of these folks were bringing out these like rifles and these this armament that I, I I was like, this is military grade stuff. It was like bazookas. Yeah. It was for me, it was frightening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just walking into the place and holding the gun and after I fired for the first time. Right. I had this moment of, you know, I actually have a thing in my hand that can take someone's life. Precisely. Just in a second remove that person from the planet Earth. And it wasn't an empowering feeling for me. It wasn't something that I felt like, wow, this is cool. It was like, I don't want it. Take it away. Don't let me, I don't even want to touch it. Right. Absolutely. I mean, by the end, by the end, I forget how many rounds they gave us. It was like, it felt like it went on forever. Yeah, we we had like a couple of boxes. A couple of boxes. And, you know, by the end of it, I was like sweaty palmed and and was like, wanted to hold the thing like by its tail, like like a dead rat or something. Because as you say, you, you recognize the power it has, even though you didn't feel empowered. Right. You know, I've long had a healthy 
respect, even bordering on fear of firearms. Mm-hmm. Never been a firearms owner in my life. I have fired, you know, long guns in the past yeah. and, yeah. and uh, a couple of times handguns. But there was something about this experience that just really, uh, it just chilled me to the bone. It really did. It was unnerving. Yeah. And for those of you out there calling us wusses and pussies and whatever you want, fuck you. Yeah. Because the bottom line is, I still actually had fun. But that feeling of fear, of like uncomfortable, I don't know, power, whatever you want to call it, it was palpable. It was something that I will never forget. If somebody had me hooked up to, uh, you know, machine, my vitals would have been off the charts. Right. You know, heartbeat, respiration, pulse, the whole nine. Oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. No question. Of course, it comes in a context of we've had a spate of high profile shootings. Just, oh, I mean, boy, Jesus, it's just in the past year alone. But one of the things, though, that occurred to me in that situation, especially against the noise and against the the recoil. I mean, we were shooting, I think, nine millimeter mm-hmm. Glocks, if I'm not mistaken. Major props and respect for the people in law enforcement and in the Absolutely. military to maintain their composure and to be able to fire in a stressful, chaotic situation. I mean, we were doing it under controlled circumstances, and I was ready to plot myself. Yeah, I mean, me it, too. You know, Absolutely. So for people who are doing this every day for a living and then on a moment's notice have to make a split decision about whether to fire or not fire and then do it in a way that hopefully doesn't hurt anybody but the intended target— I just say more power to you because yeah, I, 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 could not, I could not do it. You get a better sense after firing a gun like that. You get a better sense of what the police officers first are dealing with. Mm-hmm. And secondly, what they're up against in terms of firearms, in terms of what's on the street. The, just the sheer armaments. Yes. And, and, you know, when they... The weaponry. The weaponry, yeah. You know, when they say they're literally and, and proverbially outgunned. Right. With some of these things. And as you point out, I mean, some people were bringing in their own private firearms and they were unzipping these <laughs> these containers, these bags that were like, what? You know, I, I think there was a guy there with an AR-15, right? Yep. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. Was that the, the when the instructor said every every patriot yeah, should, should own one? Should own one, yeah. you know? I mean, I fired BB guns. I fired, you know, my the first long guns I ever fired were like these uh, single bolt action M1 rifles. They're probably like vintage World War Two, <laughs> you know, and when I was in Boy Scouts. And so, you know, by comparison, they're relatively tame. I mean, certainly, you know, they could hurt somebody, but it's something about it, particularly those high powered, especially the handguns. As you say, you just have a recognition, the light bulb comes on, it says, holy crap, like one slip up, one false move, I could kill somebody or myself if I'm not careful, you know, and and that's, that just, I mean, yeah, I had fun, but like, would I do it again? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I enjoyed it, but I don't think I would do it again. And it doesn't necessarily make me want to go out and get a gun. I don't necessarily want to have a firearm in my home. Right. I, I distinctly, there was a memory that I that I will never forget. I was four years old, maybe five years old. No, actually, I wasn't in school yet, so I was four years old. And my father owned a dry cleaners in the in the South Bronx. Mm-hmm. And it was the South Bronx in the 70s. <laughs> which say no for, more. <laughs> right. For any of you who watched The Get Down, <laughs> will know what that's all about. There were Puerto Ricans there, and we did do hip hop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Diff- rent. Different show. Yeah, different show. But I remember I was obsessed with cowboys, cowboys and Indians. Right. The, you know, people of a certain age. Yeah, you know? sure. Absolutely. So I would have the six shooters, the whole, you know, the whole get up did you the have cowboy chaps? hat. Yeah, I had chaps. Nice. I did. I did. Nice. I wore pants with them. So take it easy, pal. Uh, all right. Fine. So I had, I told you we were going to get <laughs> jokey. <laughs> you're going to get killing my yeah, mojo. Exactly. Yeah. So 
I was playing in my father's dry cleaners and I found his safe was open. And I started rummaging, being a curious yeah, kid, you know, I started rummaging in there and I found his gun. Oh, shit. And it was loaded. <gasps> and I'm like waving it around, like, no! you know, yeah, and like just running around, pointing it at my dad, pointing it at his, the other workers and stuff. Oh, my God. I had no idea. I thought it was right, like of my course. gun. Yeah, yeah you know, sure. Like I, you know, it was heavier. I right. do remember. It was like a Saturday Night Special, one of those like like the Barnaby Jones guns. Yeah. You remember Barnaby yeah, Jones? Yeah, 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 sure. And I just distinctly remember my father getting this calmness that I'd never seen. <gasps> just like this like, zzz, like, okay, you know. Focus. He right? He didn't raise his voice. He didn't say anything. He just very calmly like sort of sidestepped towards me. He was never in front of me. And I'm like, da-la-la-la-la, big toe-headed freak. Just, you know, like blah, 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 blah. And afterwards, he had like a total panic attack. And I will never, he like literally was crying the whole nine yards. The, the people who worked with him like ran out of the place. It was like, Holy shit. You know, for, 40 years I've known you. I've never heard yeah, this story this before. Absolutely true story. Holy crap. Yeah, absolutely true story. Needless to say, my mother made him get rid of the gun. But for him, it was for protection. Right. But the thing that I realized as I got older, why I never understood when I was a kid why my dad was so freaked out, even though he explained to me it was a gun and it was dangerous. But the day we went to that shooting and the first time I popped it off, then it's sort of like, boom, hammer locked. Mm -hmm. Why? It was insane how I just like, you know, like you get that tunnel vision like in the movies, like, <laughs> and I went, you know, all the frames. It was like, it was a very intense experience. Um, one that I honestly don't want to experience again. You know, it's interesting because my, my late fiance was in law enforcement and she had, um, uh, it was a revolver. I think it was a 38, if I'm not mistaken. And after she died, you know, I knew where it was. And the thing I couldn't believe when I found it, again, talking about, you know, picking it up like sort of a, a dead rat by its tail, the freaking thing was loaded. Mm. I didn't dare. I didn't know how to unload it. I mean, I just didn't. I went back to the authorities, right. you know, because they called after she had died, and you know, they went through the licenses and stuff like that. And I was just, I was just as happy, yeah, just you know, like, like here you go. I was like wearing is like almost asbestos mittens, like to hold the box even and say, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have it off my hands, and I'm not critical of gun owners and people who are, you know, sportsmen or whatever. That's fine. Personally, I don't feel like I need a gun for for self protection. I don't. I honestly don't. I don't think so either. And I grew up in some really bad neighborhoods. Oh, hells yeah. Really bad neighborhoods. And ne my father didn't keep one in the house. He kept one at the, at the, at the dry cleaners. Um, we we kept bats. Right. My, my, I remember distinctly one night my mother, someone was mugging my dad in the hallway of our old apartment building. I don't know if you remember those old doors with those metal pipes, those metal sticks. Oh, yeah, that sure. Would just, like, like anchor the yeah, doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother went outside like a like a ninja and was swinging this metal <laughs> stick, and it worked. You know what I mean? But to to your point just two seconds ago, yeah, we're not judging people who have guns. If you have them and you know how to use them, more power to you. All we're saying, I don't mean to speak for you, but that we don't need them. No, we don't I, want them. My, my fear would be that if I had a gun and if I if I pulled it in a situation, in a crisis situation, it would be used against me. It would oh, be almost absolutely. like one of those, you know, Jackie Chan movies mm -hmm. where he would like suddenly get, have it out of my hand yeah. in a split second and like point it exactly. at me. I mean, no matter how much training and I just don't think I would ever reach a, a comfort level. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, in preparation for this, I was doing some some research and people who own guns, by and large, they suggest that they get them for, for self-defense. Mm -hmm. 
but what the what the statistics actually show, and it's it's kind of interesting. Now, there's like there's different numbers that are batted around. There's some there's one study that suggested that, you know, in a given year, guns are used in self defense two and a half million times. But a more accurate estimate is it's about a hundred thousand times in a year, and eighty percent of that time it's for defensive property. You know, mm-hmm, somebody breaks mm-hmm. in that sort of thing. But what the studies have actually shown too is that. People still get their shit stolen even with a gun. Of course. So, you know, there was a report that suggested basically like, you know what, having a gun is it's not going to do you any measurably better in protecting your shit. Than just yelling, yelling at somebody. Or, or, you know, bring, you know, bringing a baseball bat. But here's the other thing that was staggering to me. There's an estimated 300 million guns owned in America. I mean, these are, you know, legally purchased. How many people, how many? I think it's like one for every person, right? That's isn't, one for every person. Isn't, yeah. isn't, that, isn't yeah. that a popular, that's what I thought. And one third of homes in the U.S. have guns, which is, you know, again, it's this is staggering. Some people got arsenals out there. Yeah, I'm telling you. Well, you know, I mean, I can I can see people who are collectors, you know, that I could definitely see because, you know, this is, I mean, people collect cars and, you know, all kinds of stuff, so why not guns? But, you know, there are people who are enthusiasts who, I mean, I think they're, they got their thumb on the scale because I think they're, they're skewing these numbers because they have so many guns. But the thing that, that was the most shocking to me was... Each year, 30,000 people are killed by guns. Two-thirds of those, though, are suicides. Wow. That I didn't blew know that. my mind. That is not, you know, it's not a criminal act where somebody was shot and killed. The two-thirds are by suicide. Two-thirds of those 30,000 right. people are taking a firearm and killing, killing themselves, themselves. Wow. And, you know, there's a whole argument that says, well, you know, if you remove the guns, you would, re- you know, reduce this, you know, people, you're not going reduce, to reduce the suicide. People will find some other way to, you know, what they call a substitution, you know, mm-hmm. they would hang themselves or whatever. But the studies reveal that that's actually not the case, that time is the biggest factor and that guns, because they are so easy, yeah. you know, right, exactly. As opposed to, you know, say, jumping off a bridge or, you know, hanging yourself, all of which take time, that it would actually, it would, it would, you know, at least in theory anyway, reduce the number of, of suicides. But I was just like, holy crap. It's a staggering number. Yeah. It's a staggering number. And I think, I, I mean, I didn't delve into this further, but I, th- I suspect that it's probably more heavily weighted toward men as opposed to women. I yeah, think we've women talked, tend, yeah, we've, we've talked about this before. Oh yeah, we've talked about the whole, the, the loneliness factor with mm-hmm. men. Guys don't actually make friends as readily as they, as they used to when they were kids. Exactly. And, um, wow, that is just a staggering number. Yeah, Absolutely I was, staggering. I was, and I, you know, I have to give give credit here because a lot of this research came from um, from a podcast. Uh, Gimlet Media has a new podcast called Science Versus, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, they've they're only a couple episodes into it, but one of the, they actually had a two parter about uh, the role of guns and uh, gun control, and right. they cited their sources. It was very, it was very fascinating. Not that I'm stepping out on Headstepper, you know. You are, but that's you okay. Know, it's, I'm, that's okay. I'm, I'm polluting my ears with other with other podcasts. Ugh, it's just disgusting. <laughs> just disgusting. <laughs> but here was another stat that blew my mind. So they also found that guns don't play a role in whether crime rate falls or rises. How is that? I it, mean, the, whole, the theory is that that most criminals have a gun and the more guns out there, the more crime. There, there was a, like an Academy of Sciences study that was looked at the precipitous 10-year drop in crime rates back in the 90s right. to try to figure out what was going on. It was almost like off the table it was drop. Like, yeah. yeah. And they could not come up, and this is at a time that gun ownership was rising, 
they could not come up with any kind of correlation or causation, and they looked at all kinds of variables. And he said, you know, at the end of the day, they just didn't know what what was behind the drop. But they also have found that it, there's no connection between whether the crime rate jumps or, or dives. But the one thing that was fascinating, and this was in a um, an abstract called Violence and Gender, and they found that there was a strong association of gun ownership and murder of women on the state level. So for every 10 percentage point increase in gun ownership in a given state, mm-hmm. the number of homicides involving a firearm against a woman went up by 10.2 percent. Wow! In by 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 state. And this is a term I read in this thing that I never heard before. It made me actually sort of uncomfortable. Femicide, mm. you know, like murder of you know mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a woman, which was just. And they again, they don't really know exactly why. The thinking is that because women, proportionally, statistically speaking, tend to be the victims of homicide by people they know, right. and men tend to be victims of people who are strangers to them. So, um, you know, probably a barroom fight or some random mugging or whatever like that. But that blew my mind. That's insane. You That's know? unbelievable. And the thing is, like, you know, I know there's this raging, raging debate, and probably has been, probably from, I don't know, from the time of Columbine, I think probably sort of put it on the map in a big way. Mm. And then, of course, we've had, um, you know, the Newtown shootings and any number of them since then. Too many more. Too many more. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, there's like some part of me that's like, because even the studies say in terms of the, the you know, the gun control rules, there, there are layers of screenings that go on, but, you know, that proportionally the, the, the murders and mass shootings that happen, they're not necessarily done by people who are mentally ill, mm-hmm. which is also surprising. Mm-hmm. In fact, mass shootings and shootings of kids, you know, even though they grab the headlines, they only number like in the hundreds. Right. So, um, you know, it's like, almost like the day-to-day sort of seep and creep kind of crimes of violence involving guns. I don't know what you do with it. I don't know. I, an all-out ban, it was never going to happen. That's just, it's just, it just not. Never, I mean, it would never hold, it would never pass constitutional muster. There would have to be a cultural change. The fact is, as an American, we grew up idolizing guns. Guns were a thing for us. It's in our constitution. I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I, I mean, for me, the whole idea of having the right to own a firearm back then may have made sense mm-hmm. back in the 1700s. Uh, because we're fearing uh, tyrannical government right. and all that. But, you know, I don't necessarily think that it had anything to do with an AR-15, <laughs> which can be modified to shoot hundreds of rounds in a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's a disconnect there. I, I agree. And I would not embrace a all-out ban on guns any yeah, more than I would. I mean, it's, it's illogical. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's a slippery slope. It's like right. you know, it's like uh, you know, it's it, it. You know, by extension, if you follow that line of thinking, it's like we're going to ban pornography. Right. Exactly. You know, it's unconstitutional. Right. That's just not going to happen. But I think there's got to be some some balance. But but when you dive into these stats and you know, when you look at the correlations and the connections, it's like where's the wedge? Like, what is the pinch point mm. that you can apply some pressure to make a difference? And- yeah, but see, that's the thing. It's not that easy. It's the, the idea is culturally, as Americans, we love cars mm. and we love guns. Mm-hmm. That's who we are. The rest of the world sees us like that because it's true. Right. You know, we love wide open spaces. We go hunting. We shoot things. We're loud. We're brash. However, whatever the stereotype is, but there is that instinctual or that I don't know what kind of level attraction to guns and until we change then it's 
we're we're in the same boat. Well, we're you know we glorify violence. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm going to be the first one to admit. You know, when I was a kid, you know, you played cowboys and Indians. I used to play army. I yeah, used to have plastic, exactly. you know, a plastic Tommy gun and a plastic handgun. Right. Or, you know those those cap guns with a revolver. You know, you, right. You know, I grew up on police uh, TV serials yeah. and. Come on, I mentioned Barnaby Jones before. Yeah, Barnaby, right. Yeah. Barnaby Jones, 79 years old, running down the street with a tiny little gun, but he could shoot people from 100 feet away. That's right, exactly. I mean, come on. And he was gone. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah. We all wanted to be Barnaby yeah. Jones. Dragnet, Adam yes. 12, Cannon, yes. Columbo, you know. But they didn't use their guns all that often. No, they didn't. That's the difference. But but and you're right because I mean and I you know my my wife refers to them uh, the, the you know these sort of action movies as biffums yeah. you know yeah. and you know so like the diehards and all the movies that you know you name it there's like if there's gunplay I'm like yeah I'm yeah, there I'm I'm gonna watch that but you're right culturally we are in a place that's just part of our DNA the UK Australia where they have like you know super super stringent gun laws they look at like we're like. I don't know, knuckle dragons yeah. or something. I have another crazy theory. Yeah. I have a theory that because we are no longer drafted into the military, that we have lost the fear of firearms and guns and tanks and all this stuff. Now it's it's just, oh, what? I see it on the movies and TV. You know, before, uh, the, the generation before ours, up until our generation, right. I, I think we're the first generation that did not get drafted into the right. military I think, automatically? I think, I think we just simply had to register for selective service, but not actually right. serve. We didn't have to serve. Right. And, I mean, I again, this is all anecdotal, but it seems to me that that fascination with firearms and bigger biffums yeah. and, you know, shoot 'em ups and blood porn and all that crazy stuff just has exponentially grown. That's fascinating. Then, I mean, I know my father had a huge respect for firearms and he served in the military for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and I know a lot of veterans of that era who they wouldn't keep a gun in their house. You know what I mean? I honestly think as kind of far fetched as that is, I think the fact that they're, that we don't, we no longer serve in the military. Um, it's a volunteer type right. thing that we've lost that healthy respect and fear. That is a fascinating. I think there's a lot of merit to that because, in some ways, not only we, do we lack the familiarity with it right. as a as a generation and generations going forward, but in a way, it almost sort of becomes the big, I don't know, taboo or not even taboo, but it's like it's the thing that's you know, I don't know, naughty or out of reach that fascinates us all all the more. Whereas, of course, if we've had the familiarity and the exposure to it and have seen the devastation, I mean, you know, we're several generations removed from people who served in war. And yeah, we, our military are out there, but, you know, they're serving in Iraq and all that, but it wasn't a world war. It wasn't right. where you knew somebody. I don't know anyone personally who's been affected by the Iraqi conflict or Afghanistan. Right. But back in the day... All of us knew somebody who served in Vietnam. All of us knew somebody who was in Korea, World War II. Right, right. In terms um, of scale. In terms of scale. Right, absolutely. Exactly. And that, yeah, that's what I mean by, you know, generations removed. And, right. But I think you're right. I mean, even just like something as simple as like, you know, basic training and going going through it. I think you're right. It would probably be, um, uh, you know, knowledge is empowering and a, sort of a healthy respect that would come out of that. I would, I, I the way I see it is that right now, a lot of Americans specifically, and maybe even people all around the world, but certainly a lot of Americans see a gun, see a firearm, see an automatic weapon mm -hmm. almost as a toy. 
you know, almost wow. as as a car, something to 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 buff up on the weekends mm-hmm. and take out, mm-hmm. instead of the tool that it's supposed to be. Right. It's a tool, like a hammer. It's a wrench. Right. You use it for something. Right. You know what I mean? It's like if you're a hunter, you use it to hunt. If you're a sportsman, you use it for target practice. Right. I mean, that's what it's for. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I know. I think there's a lot of a lot to be said for those for those theories. And you know, unlike a knife, you know, a, a gun is so impersonal mm-hmm. and can be do such damage from a great distance. Whereas with a knife, of course, you have to get up up close up and close. personal. Right. You know, I remember an under sheriff telling me, uh, you know, anytime there was a homicide involving a knife, he'd say this was really personal. Did you let your kids play pretend guns? That's actually a fascinating question because I philosophically didn't have an issue with it. My first wife, the boy's mom, did. Um, And as it turned out, uh, you know, it wasn't something I encouraged. And they just didn't have leanings toward it one way or the other. Like, it just didn't didn't appeal to them. It It just wasn't in their wheelhouse. My son is exactly like his dad. Anything he picks up becomes a gun. Really? Anything. (laughs) Pencil. (laughs) Again, back in the day, I might have thought differently Mm -hmm. about it, but it's it's a different world now. His school has banned Mm. even pretending. Right. Pretend guns. So we've had to have conversations with my boy about, listen, you can't do that because you'll get you get in trouble. You'll get in trouble in yeah. school. And yeah. his little brain doesn't understand that. We've actually stopped letting him watch certain shows. Like, you know, he was obsessed with Clone Wars. Granted, probably way too young for him to watch anyway. Right. I I don't like it when he pretends guns. I don't like it. Now, meanwhile, when I was a kid, I was oh, like, that's, Psh, that's you know like what I mean? 90% of your time was spent doing absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Fascinating. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we're going to solve this problem right here, are we? Probably not. No, probably not. We should bring the world leaders together because we have that kind of power. Because we are the world. We are the world. And listen, hey, military, military conglomerate, whatever it's called nowadays, if you're going to start drafting us again, my foot hurts. (laughs) I got a thing with my foot. Yeah. Okay? (laughs) Seriously, I got papers. What was was the draft deferment? Was it 1F or something? There was a code for it. It was an FU. That's what it was. (laughs) That's what it was. That's what it was. Wow, we kept it relatively serious. Relatively serious. We didn't yeah. make any fart noises. No, any no. like uh, you know only, silly jokes. Only a or couple f bombs. And... Only a couple f bombs. We can drop some more if we want. We don't want to leave our listeners unsatisfied. <laughs> we, we don't want to keep this thing completely sanitized. Right, exactly. But no, this was a serious topic, and it, it's again that trip we took to the firing range was really, really. I, 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 to your point, like you said at the top of the show, I, I wouldn't do it again. And, you know, and it's funny because I was the one that was sort of instigating this. And, 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 and truth be told, we had tried, I guess, a couple of years ago. And one of the ranges we went to was just so overwhelmed. It was too crowded. We didn't go to it. And then we tried a second time. But it turned out our timing was it was right after uh, Newtown. And we all sort right. of felt a little kind of, you know, uneasy about it. So this was a trip four years in the making or so. Yeah, yeah. It, it was intended to be fun. I think it was, but in reality, it actually wound up being sort of uh, one of these almost teachable moments. Even at our age, we learned something. Revelatory. Revelatory. I like that. That's a $5 word right there. Uh, yeah, right up there with the delicatessen. And acclimate. Acclimate. That's you know, you know we, we've referenced this before, and we should just clue in the, the listeners. Mm. Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. no, just keep them, keep them guessing. Keep them guessing. I think we should. But we, but we'll uh, have a contest down the road. They'll have to, they'll have to <laughs> figure, figure out what the hell we're talking yeah. about. No, and then a... we'll give them a keychain, <laughs> like a twenty cent keychain. There you go. 
This is like the, the, the little things you win when you're at the, the carnival. All right, the, you can the, tell them. Gosh. There was a, a, Pedro and I both worked at a bank and there was a guard. He was, well, actually he was older than Methuselah. So he wasn't a guard. And he was like, I don't know. I think they actually called them ushers back then. Remember? Yeah, they called them ushers. And a guy named Harry Anwander. And uh, I mean, God, if he, he was 80, if he was a day when we were working. There, oh, yeah. Seriously. And he used to, he just would sit at the, the, the lunchroom table and just expound when he wasn't sleeping. Remember, he would fall asleep. Mm -hmm. at yeah, the yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. But he used to say, I, you know, I like to use, you know, big vocabulary words like, you know, delicatessen. And acclimate. <laughs> and it was just like, what? And to tie it into this whole conversation, he used to carry pictures in his wallet of, uh, Japanese victims of his oh, in World War II. My God, that's right. I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah, that's a, you know the greatest generation. Never carried a gun. No. He was an usher, but he, he never carried, carried a, gun. a gun. Which was a good thing, I would, I would right. I'd point out. All right, well, you can reach us on Twitter, Facebook. Yes. Facebook. About Men Radio. About Men Radio. Find us on all kinds of uh, platforms. And, you know, go ahead and review us. Tell your friends. Yeah. Spread the word. We're tough. We're tough. We can take it. We may be wusses about guns, but we're tough That's about right. everything else. That's right. We're, you know, yeah. we're tough guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> not not <laughs> like really. Nobody's sitting, buying that. Sitting here. Oh, my, my knee my hurts. My knee hurts. <laughs> I got a bad foot. I got a bad foot. The soda's too fizzy. It tickled my nose. <laughs> I got a hangnail. <laughs> Hangnails hurt. Yeah. They hurt. I got a paper cut. Oh, God. Paper cuts and then you stick your hand in a bag of salty chips. I hate when that happens. Oh, my God. That is a sweet pain. Yeah. That is a sweet so pain. So worth it, though, for the chips. Yeah. We went off the rails here. Seriously. This whole seriousness thing. Yeah. 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 All right. Worked. Take us out of here. Chris. All right, folks. Thanks very much for listening. God bless.